Hey guys, welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new. I am happy that you're back this week to listen, to learn, and to grow. This time around, the episode is a little different. I was interviewed by a couple of pastors out of the Family Church in McAllen, Texas. The topic, adolescent mental health. If you are a young person struggling with depression and anxiety, this podcast episode is for you. If you are a parent who has adolescents, young adults, this podcast episode is for you as well. Anyways, (laughs) it's for everyone, especially during the times that we're living in right now. A lot of people are going through uh, seasonal depression, anxiety, generalized anxiety, generalized depression. I hope that this podcast episode helps you gain better understanding so that you may also break free and press on. (laughs) Well, Milton, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, with the pandemic going on and kids being home a lot, uh, learning from home, we figured that it would be really good uh, to hear from you on, you know, mental health. And we know that you're very passionate about helping people in this area. And so we're just going to dive right in with some questions. Uh, The very first one is pretty broad, but is what is depression and what does depression look like and feel like? Yeah. So depression, I mean, there are different forms of depression, but depression for it to be clinical depression, it has to be sustained for two weeks at least. In other words, Depression is a, a state of sadness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, clinical depression is the inability to get out of bed in the morning. You have no motivation. Right. Uh, there is a lot of withdrawing from your friends, from your family. You want to be secluded, isolated. But, but the, major, the major feeling is a, ma- a feeling of hopelessness, a, a feeling of sadness. Mm-hmm. See, a lot of people confuse sadness with depression. And, uh, and because, but sadness is simply... It's a mechanism that God gave us. Sadness is a mechanism that God gave us so that we could stop and actually grieve and go through the whole process, right? And so we cry, God God gave us that that ability to cry, to get it all out, right? Mm -hmm. And so... So that's okay. Sadness is okay. Sadness, you know, when someone loses a loved one and they're grieving and they're trying to find closure, I tell them, look, it's going to take you realistically, it'll take you anywhere from six months to a year to really overcome the loss of a loved one. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you, they have to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, if it affects them socially, that's, that's a red flag. Right. And so it's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. It's okay to miss the loved one. It's okay. It's okay to go through the first birthday, the first anniversary, the first Thanksgiving without him, the first Christmas without him. And it's okay to cry and remember and have all these great memories. It's not okay to withdraw from friends, from family, and to seclude oneself. Right. That's a red flag. Gotcha. And so when it starts to affect you socially, that's a red flag. So you have, you have just your generalized depression which uh, could happen uh, over the loss of a football game. Someone, your favorite team loses, and you're like, ah, you know. And you, the and Valley you feel, knows how that feels uh, yes. with the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> and you're down, and, and you're feeling sad about it and because they didn't win, and you were hoping and rooting for them, and you were so excited, and it didn't happen, right? Mm, right. Uh, that, that is a generalized depression, which could last a few days. Right. Then you have your clinical depression, of course. That's when it goes over the two weeks. You have, you have what they call SAD, which is uh, seasonal affective depression. 
And that usually happens, uh, of course, as, as its name, seasonal. It, it's, it's, for a, it's for a time. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people think, you've probably heard people say that seasonal uh, affective depression happens somewhere around November, December, and that there's the most suicides in December. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, uh, you know, of course, in, in countries or in states, cities where they don't get a whole lot of sunlight, where there's more dark than day, yeah. where it's wet and, you know, rainy and gloomy, you know, why is it that in Alaska, you know, there is a high rate of uh, drug addiction? Well, they don't get a whole lot of sunlight. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of depression, seasonal depression. And so you have, you have seasonal depression and that could last, you know, a few months. Mm-hmm. But suicide is the most prevalent, not in December, actually for youth, it is the, the highest rates are in April. Suicide, the highest rates are in April. Why is that? And, uh, and so it's, it's part of the buildup over the season of the, 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 the doom, you know, or the, the, the gloomy season, you know, of December and, and, and the comparison. A lot, of, a lot of youth today are affected by FOMO, you know, yeah. the fear of missing <laughs> out. And you look at what other people are doing and why you're not doing it. They look at the YouTuber, at the Instagrammer who is traveling somewhere in Europe while you're stuck in the valley, yeah. you know, and the farthest you went was to La Pulga. That's <laughs> the farthest <laughs> You went, and so then you start to feel depressed. And so you have that seasonal depression, and then you have your psychotic depression. And psychotic depression is when you have bipolarity, you know, when there's a bipolar disorder, and that is a need for urgent, urgent care. That's when right. you need to get that person to, you know, to a behavioral center, to a psychiatrist. They need to be put on medication, and they need to be put on therapy also. Right. And so those are very obvious because you see that that one is always going to be accompanied by the uh, the anxiety. And mm. so, and, and another important fact is that anxiety and depression, 70% of the time go hand in hand. So if you were to pick 70 out of a hundred people who are suffering from depression, 70 of them are also suffering from anxiety. Right. They're cousins, they're related. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. So I hope that answers, yeah. ha- answers no, the question. Absolutely. And man, there's, it's multifaceted mm-hmm. when it comes to depression. Um, is depression avoidable? Would you say depression is uh, is it avoidable? Boy, that's a difficult question. I'll tell you why. Uh, there is depression that is induced by a hormonal imbalance. Okay, and right. so I, I failed to mention this a few minutes ago. Is that women are twice as likely to be depressed than men? Twice as likely. Hormonal? Because yes. Because of hormonal they're, Well, and, and a lot more sensitive, uh, a lot more emotional. You know, uh, I just put out a, an episode of my podcast called Waffles and Spaghetti, oh, you yeah. know, where we talk about how men are linear thinkers, sequential thinkers, everything is boxed, you know, everything is compartmentalized, whereas right. women are much more emotional, everything is connected, mm-hmm. and so a man might have a loss in his life might have lost a loved one, might have widowed, and it took them a year to get over it. And uh, 10 years later, you know, they don't even remember what happened. Whereas a woman, it's been 20 years, and she still remembers everything and every little detail. Wow. So yeah. they're a lot more emotional, but yes, twice, twice as likely as men to become uh, depressed. And so I, what was the question again? Uh, is depression avoidable? <laughs> is it avoidable? And so it's, uh, it's not avoidable for everyone. Okay. It's not mm-hmm. avoidable for everyone. Uh, I will talk about this a little later where you have to have a ritual in the morning. Yeah. You have to have a ritual at night that you, that you do so that you are not falling into a state of depression. But people who have hormonal imbalances, they need to see a doctor right. because they need to be put on some kind of medication. Mm. You have other people who have chemical imbalances. You know, It could be serotonin, dopamine. They need to be you know, helped also. And there are some people that really need therapy. 
You see, uh, the, the issue is, as I mentioned earlier with Carl Jung, you know what he said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will, it will rule your life and you will call it your fate or your destiny. A lot of people are dealing with things that are causing them to feel depressed or anxious that are deep dwelling in the subconscious mind. And I know that's kind of like a taboo conversation within the church, yeah. but it's science. Right. And it's the way that God wired us. You yeah. know, We have a conscious and a subconscious mind. Right. By the time you're 33, uh, after 33 years of age, you're only functioning off of your subconscious mind. You're on autopilot. Wow. So the first 11 years of your life are the most important years. And that's why the Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go so that when he's older, he won't depart from it. He doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say train up a teenager or an adolescent or young adult. It says train up a child. The mm-hmm. first 11 years are exponentially important in the formation of a child's subconscious mind. Actually, a child does not have a filter. You tell a kid, you know, you're smart, you're smart, you're smart, you're smart, you're smart. Over time, they'll believe it. You tell them you're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb. Over time, they'll believe it. Right. They have no filter. Right. Well, if someone says to me, I think you're stupid, you know what I'll say? I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> you know, and so I'm giving them the responsibility. I'm not taking it because yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah. Right. But I have a filter. So I immediately reject it. A lot of people yeah. will say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You know, that's okay. You can get really spiritual about it. But I just say, I'm sorry you feel that way. So cognitive behavioral therapy is one. Interpersonal therapy is another one. And that's basically dealing with uh, the issues of your childhood. You know, it's deep de- dealing with the, the wounds that are inside your spirit. Mm-hmm. And so those are the two forms of, of therapy that are out there for this. Now, a lot of people ask, how long is the process? 10 to 12 weeks. 10 to 12 weeks, once every other week, going to therapy. That's all it takes. Wow. And, uh, and if it doesn't work, then you're with the wrong therapist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to find yourself someone else. But it usually it's, it's, it's that when it's generalized anxiety, generalized depression, when it's clinical, you know, when it's been going on for weeks, then you have to, the, the counselor is going to work together perhaps with a psychiatrist with an MD, mm-hmm. so that they can give that, uh, that patient some medication right. for depression or give them some medication for anxiety to go hand in hand to right. help that person get out of that. Now, I do want to say this. A lot of people that are in a state of depression will have suicidal ideation, and this is where it gets really tricky. A lot of people will take their, their, their young ones to, to the doctor, and the doctor will give them some kind of a stimulant to get them out of the hole that they're in because they literally visualize their bed as a hole and they can't get out in the morning. They, they just wow. can't get up. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people say, if I, if I manage to get them out of a state of depression, they'll be healed, right? And so what they do is if they don't manage it right, the young man or woman will come out of depression having suicidal ideation, not having tried to commit suicide. They have a plan. Yep. They have the tools, yep. they have the timing. Once they get out of a state of depression with the stimulant, wow. now they have the energy, the energy and boom, they take their lives. Yep. Mm. If they're not going through therapy, and so they need, they always need someone to listen. It's important. Mm-hmm. Wow. So with that being said, when, do you, in your opinion, when is a good time to seek out professional help? I would say that if you've gone with two weeks worth of depression and you can't get out of it, if you're in a consistent state of sadness and you're feeling like you don't want to commune with with family, with friends, if you are detaching or disassociating, that's the time to seek help. Okay. That's the time. And I want to say this. Now, this is a really touchy subject. I'm going to say this. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes in the church, we don't do our, our, our church members a favor. In, in, in trying to counsel them. Right. Because here's what we do. Well, I don't do this. <laughs> but here's, here's what happens. Generalization. They'll yeah. say, it's a spiritual attack. Yep. 
you're being spiritually attacked. No, he's not. Yeah. He's got an issue with dopamine, serotonin. He just lost a loved one. You know, he just lost a girlfriend. You know, they yeah. just dumped him. It's not a spiritual attack. Right. He needs someone to talk to. Absolutely. He needs to go to a doctor. She needs to go to a doctor and get some help. You know, she just started her, her period. You know, her hormones are out of whack. Or, yeah. or this person just had a baby and they're having post-traumatic, you know, they're having, um, they're having a, a sort of a PTSD after, you know, after labor. Right. And they need help. Absolutely. Yeah. And But a lot of people will say within the ministry, well, you have, you're, you're just undergoing a spiritual time. Let's rebuke that demon in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not undermining the power of the name of Jesus because right. I'm a believer and I believe in the power of God's healing. 100%. And, and 100%. But I also believe that he has given people wisdom yes. to help these people out of the rut. Right, That's right. Good. So for the students, what if they're worried about telling their parents that they're dealing with depression or, or suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. um, what would you say to those students? Who could they go to or what should they do? Sure. And you know, sometimes the parents are the source of the depression or the source of the anxiety. Yeah. Sometimes it's just personality types where the, uh, the, the young, uh, young woman or young man just they're so introvert that uh, they have a hard time expressing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I would recommend first first thing is I always tell parents, especially young ladies with moms, I always tell them, look, if the communication is not that good, not because there is uh, you know strife between them or or anything like that, but more than anything, it's personality. Mm-hmm. I tell them to buy a diary, a little notebook, and that notebook goes on uh, the young lady's uh, night nightstand. And so every time she has a question or something she wants to tell her mother that she's afraid to or embarrassed to say, she writes it down and puts it on her mother's nightstand. And so the mother knows immediately once it appears on her nightstand that there's a message in it. Mm. The mother reads it and she replies to it and transfers it over to her nightstand. That is so great. So that's a great way. Another great way also is uh, while driving. You know, Uh, when you're driving, you don't have to make eye contact. And so a lot of people feel intimidated with making eye contact. So when the dad is driving and the mom is driving, it's a great time to talk. Mm. But if you feel that that's not an avenue because they're the source of your depression or anxiety, well, then you go to your school counselor or you go to your pastor. But you reach out to someone, an adult. The school counselor is, is obligated to help you uh, reach out to the appropriate help, whether it's you know seeking a counselor, seeking you know a, a psychiatrist, a doctor. They will make sure to follow through with those services, and and again, also reaching out to your to your pastor. That's going to be uh, also very important. So I want to talk real quick to the students who are watching, and they hear the term psychiatrist or therapy, and they kind of freak out a little bit. This is something that I think we've not done a proper job of making it okay. You know, people deal with things and they need counseling, they need therapy, and it's not something that is taboo or that people don't ever deal with. There's a lot of people that you probably know that are going through therapy right now, they just don't broadcast it. And so don't feel um, ostracized or anything like that if you do need to have a psychiatrist or, or a therapist that you need to see, so. Yeah, yeah. it's good, because psychiatry is always, uh, it has a bad connotation. It does. You know, they, they think psychiatry, they think crazy people, right? Exactly. Yeah, immediately. Mm-hmm. And I just want to tell you that, that as a therapist myself, I see people from, the youngest one is probably 12, the oldest one is probably 60. And I see from students to entrepreneurs who have, uh, you know, million dollar companies who are doing extremely well and understand, understand the, the, uh, the importance of having a therapist. They understand that. It's not necessarily they need it because they may not be struggling with depression or anxiety, but they know that to, to stay healthy mentally, they need to have someone that they see at least once a month. 
And so I have people that once a month show up on my calendar and they show up and they just want to talk and recalibrate their minds and get back on track again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What would you say to those students who they've told their parents, but their parents are really taking them seriously and the student knows that it is an issue Mm -hmm. that needs to, they need to get some help, but their parents are kind of brushing it off like, oh, you're okay, you're just sad or you're just going through a breakup, but it's lasted longer than the student expected. And so they reach out to the parents, but the parents might not be taking them as seriously. What would you say to that? That that happens. That happens uh, quite often. Uh, I would say, number one, if you ever have a visit with your, with your pediatrician, with your doctor, you're, you, know, you have to go up for checkups, you know, for the flu shot and all these things, they always ask you, how are you feeling? You know, that's part of the interview process with, uh, with a pediatrician. It's how are you feeling? And that's when you say, depressed. Yeah. Depressed. Or you can say, I'm feeling continually sad. I'm always sad or I'm always afraid or I'm always anxious. My heart's always racing. Okay, that's the first thing. Right. If you can get your parents to take you to a doctor, to your pediatrician, that's who you tell right away. Okay. The second is, once again, the school counselor. Another one is your pastor. Reach out to a friend also. And I would encourage the friends that uh, if your friend comes to you and says, I'm feeling suicidal, I'm feeling depressed, don't keep it to yourself and, and keep the secret because the person might say, I'm going to share something with you, but this is in confidence and I don't want anyone to know I've been thinking about suicide. Uh, that's not something that you can keep as a secret right. because you're not doing that person any justice or any service. So you right. need to go to uh, someone, whether the parents or someone, an adult that is close to them and let them know so that they can follow through. And they right. will thank you in the long run. They will. Absolutely. Yeah. Because in the short term, it's going to hurt your relationship. Right. And, uh, but in the long run, you're looking out for them. Uh, real love is, is willing to confront Definitely. rather than enable that's right. Definitely. That's right. And one thing that I've found to be helpful is, is when people approach me and, and say, hey, can you keep a secret? Mm-hmm. My response is usually, I can't promise that, but I can promise I'll do everything I can to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. And so if that's, that's something and you're like, I'm scared about how they're going to respond, what are they going to say? You can go ahead and say that. And that lets them know however you respond after that is with their safety in mind. Yeah, yeah. So definitely. Yeah. Um, one thing, and, and you kind of hit on this, is um, we're not meant to do life alone. And our friends, thank God, that some of them muster the courage to open up about depression or suicides. Mm-hmm. And so for students who don't necessarily have the leverage of an adult because they don't have the credit card, they don't have the adult, mm-hmm. you know, what, whatever it is that we look at them society-wise, how, do, how can they help their friends who open up about their struggles with depression, with suicide, and they're not getting the help that they need? What can they do mm-hmm. to help them out? So the first thing is to never say, get over it. That's the first thing. Sometimes someone who is depressed, all they need is someone to listen. Because they're in a state of depression because no one is listening. Mm -hmm. And so all they need is that friend that will come alongside and say, hey, I'm here for you. I'll listen to you. And I will, I will help you if you are asking for my assistance. Like, I will help you and guide you. Right. But the best thing to do is to always reach out to another person. Like, you mentioned about, you know, not doing life alone. And the Bible says, don't forsake the, uh, the fellowship of the brethren. It says, right. don't forsake, you know, the gathering because there's, there's, there's power in unity. Absolutely. And so you're always going to have someone that can reach out to you. But I would say, listen to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, be keen observers, acute listeners, and 
then go from there. Don't keep it to yourself, but go and find somebody. Don't try to, um, I call this the, the, the savior mindset. Don't have the savior mindset or the Mother Teresa mindset where you're like, okay, I'm going to save this person. And it's, right. no, you're not. You're right. not. You know, God's going to save them through Christ. Right. And you might just be part of the process, but Absolutely. you are not the end of the process. Yes. And so reach out to professional help, yes. someone that can hold them by the hand and lead the way. Most definitely. Okay. Now, lastly, as we kind of wrap up the student portion of, of today's video, what would you tell that student who's watching this video right now and they have suicidal thoughts and maybe they're even planning on taking their life later this week or in the coming months? Um, what would you say to that individual watching right yeah. now? I would, I would encourage them uh, two things. Uh, first thing I'm going to encourage them is to reach. There's a video on a guy. His name is Kevin, the guy who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm. I want you to... I want you to watch that. He, he, there's a video that was captured on a bus where he's running off the, running toward the, the middle of portion of the Golden Gate Bridge where the, 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 the rail is a little lower and he jumps off. Now you need to hear his story. Uh, he jumps off and he says it wasn't half a second before he started saying, God save me, yeah. God save me, God save me. Right. Uh, he lands in, he sucked in 70 feet into the water, and in the process, his legs shatter. Mm-hmm. So he's no longer able to move his legs. And in the process, he's saying, God, save me, God, save me, God, save me. I don't want to die. He wanted to die a minute before that, but right. now he's saying, I don't want to die. And he says that all of a sudden he saw, and this is how he describes it, he saw a green slimy thing surrounding him underneath the water because he was in the water. Mm-hmm. He was having a hard time staying afloat because he couldn't move his legs. And so he's under the water and this green slimy thing picks him up out of the water and keeps him floating face up on the water. He's thinking first that it was a shark that was going to eat him. And he says, when is this thing going to eat me? When is it going to eat me? God save me. God save me. Guess what? It was a sea lion. And the sea lion kept him afloat until he was rescued. Wow. It's crazy stuff. I mean, it's on there. Guy's name is Kevin. Just look up the guy who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. And, and then he shares his testimony. He goes around now speaking, sharing, you know, what, uh, what God did in his life. And he says that his dad later took him because he, he had not really good communication with his father and that re- reconnected them. And so he goes with his dad and they go, they, they, they're close to the golden gate. He's walking again. He's going through therapy and he goes and he's, his dad says, stop right there. He says, go pick a flower. It was at, outside of a police station. He said, go, go pick a flower. And I believe it was a tulip. Go get a tulip. And he went and picked out a tulip and they drove back to, this is crazy. He drove back to the golden gate bridge and he told his son, this is going to be part of your therapy. I don't know what his dad's background was. He says, but this is going to be therapy. They went and stood right where he jumped off. And he said that, he said, throw the tulip. And he says that he threw the tulip and as it landed in the water, a sea lion emerged right next to it. He says it was God all the way. Mm -hmm. But here's what he said that was powerful. He said, when I got on that bus, all I wanted was for someone to say, hey, young man, are you okay? Is there something I can do for you? And he says, there was a guy in the back of the bus he says that, that pointed his finger and told his friend, he says, what's wrong with that guy? He says, he says I, 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 was, I, I got to the point where it was my time to get off the bus, and the bus driver said, hey, get off. He said, he saw, I was crying. He says, not one person asked me, hey, young man, are you okay? Is there something that I can do for you? And so, so a lot of people are going through that, you know? 
and that's why we reach, I'm telling everyone out, the youth out there, listen to your friends. All you have to say is, hey, is there something I can do for you? Yeah. You know, is there, is, can I, how can I help you? But, but I wanted to close with this really quick about, you know, David, because I want to I land it with a biblical worldview. You know, David, the King David, he was, he was coming back from a place of victory. He had defeated the Philistine army. He was coming back with hundreds of men. They're victorious. And they came back to the place where the wives were at, the children were at, the tents were at. They had left them there for months, almost, I believe it was a year or over a year. They come back victorious. They're excited. They're pumped up. They're, they're happy. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to have a party. There's going to be food and dancing. I mean, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And when they arrive to Ziglag, the place where they, they had left everyone, they see that it's been destroyed, leveled. There's nothing. Everything has been torn to shreds. It's been obliterated. The women are gone. The children are gone. The possessions are gone. And they find out that the night before, at the midnight hour, the Amalekites, which were cowards, had come and taken everything and everyone. And the Amalekites attacked at midnight hour because that's when everyone was asleep. And so there they are. So David is standing before his army and his friends that used to praise him, used to follow him, used to love him. Now they're talking about stoning him to death because they're blaming him. They're saying, we lost our wives and our children because of David, because we followed this guy. So Mm -hmm. now he's hearing all these outside voices. And David goes from a place of excitement to a place of depression like that. It only took a second. Mm -hmm. Boom. He went from here to there. And so now David gets off of his horse and he walks away, I imagine. The Bible says this. The Bible says, and David encouraged himself. So David didn't have his wife, his children. He didn't have YouTube videos and Instagram speakers. He didn't have any of that. He he didn't have a, a pastor that he could go to. And David encouraged himself because encouragement is intrinsic. It comes from within. Praise comes from within. I don't need, I need to shut out the outside voices. He left the guys that were talking about stoning him. He walked away to a place of solitude. And David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God, and in him, he found strength. Right. Mm. And so be like David. Actually, I take that back. I always say, people say, be like David. Be like Jesus, you know. David is a good guy, but be like Jesus because he's a lot better. (laughs) But, But I want you to know that just like David... You too can encourage yourself in the Lord your God, and in him you will find strength. God has not wired you, young man, young woman. He has not wired you with the spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. Absolutely. You see, he never said that life was going to be easy. He said, in this life you shall have afflictions, but rejoice, I've overcome the world. He says, I've already given you the victory. He never said that you would not go through dark valleys. David the psalmist said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you know what? You're walking. If you're depressed right now, it seems like a dark valley. And you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. There is no light. You can't see it. But he says in the psalms, he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me. Amen. So I want you to know you're not alone. That's right. You're not alone. You've got him. You've got your friends. And you've got your pastors and your parents to help you out. Absolutely. Yes. And, and even though it may feel like hope is lost, it's never lost because hope isn't a thing. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. Amen. And he's always with you. I absolutely loved the ending. Hope is not a thing. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. I'm sure that many of you would concur with me in that idea, in that truth. I've always found that the source of healing The source of peace, the source of wisdom comes through the name that is above all names, and that is the mighty name of Jesus. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this episode, somewhat short or (laughs) shorter than my usual ones. 
However, I believe that uh, we packed a lot of really good information and ideas. If you are a young person suffering from depression or anxiety, you now know what to do. Seek help. Don't bottle it up. Don't isolate yourself. Connect with others. Seek someone who will help you. Hold your hand and guide you to a place of freedom. If you are a parent and uh, you've noticed some changes in your young adult or adolescent, reach out to them. Find time to ask them how they're doing. Above all, listen to understand and not necessarily to reply. Observe. Observe changes, body language, tonality. Become keen observers and acute listeners of your children. Now, keep this in mind, parents, that before a child opens up with anyone, even with mom or dad, they ask three questions at a subconscious level, and this happens in a fraction of a second. The questions are, can you help me? Can I trust you? And do you care for me? If the child answers yes to all three of those questions, then they open up and they allow you to help them. Please understand this very basic principle that before your children allow you to lead them by the hand, you must first connect to their hearts. I am attaching my Instagram link to the show notes. If you have any questions, don't hesitate. Send me a DM and I will reply as soon as possible. I'm also attaching my scheduling link for those of you who would like to schedule a formal uh, session, whether it's coaching or counseling. I will include that as well. And, uh, and again, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will see you very soon. God bless you guys. Love you. Love you. Love you in Christ. Bye-bye.